had his disciples with him. But some of the miracles were hands-on with them, such as the feeding of the 5,000. They actually distributed the bread. And even the young boy, who is maybe Logan's age there, you know, and he shares his meal with the whole crowd, and he gets to see how his, his meal was able to feed that whole crowd of maybe 10,000 or more that day. So, and we just talked about the, it's not a matter if God will test your faith, it's a matter of when, okay? God will test your faith, and he does that because he loves you the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to have the same faith and uh, resiliency as he does, all right? And so Jesus does this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. It's a long day. They get their meal, um, and they send the people home, okay? They send the people home, and they make their way back to where they needed to go. Some of them had a long trip. That's why the meal was so important. They had been there all day, and they didn't want to send them home on an empty stomach. It wasn't like they were in the middle of a town. They were more out in the wilderness along the Sea of Galilee, so... And they couldn't hit the drive through at McDonald's on the way, all right? Okay? Um, and so things were different then. So they send the people away, and then Jesus is going to put his disciples in a boat, and he's going to send them off to the other side. And he will go up on the mountainside to pray, and then he's going to walk out on water, meet him in the middle of the night. They are trying to row, but the waves... And the wind are hitting them. They're not getting anywhere. He, one of the gospels says he's about ready to pass them by. They cry out. He thinks he's a ghost. Peter actually then tries to walk on water, right? Remember that? And he, he does good the first couple steps, and then he begins to sink. Jesus reaches out, grabs him. They get into the boat, and they go to the other side. So that is where we are going to pick it up, and then we're going to go into the verses that follow after that. Um. And so they get to the other side. I guess I'll stay with my notes here. They get to the other side, and uh, a town called Capernaum is where they're at. Some more of a city. They're not in the wilderness anymore. And a crowd shows up, and they were searching for him because they, they heard about the, the bread. They heard about the fish, and they said, hey, we want to be part of this too. And some of them actually had probably had been there to the meal as well. So they're searching for because Jesus because they want, they want a free meal too, Right? And so they look for Jesus, and they find him in Capernaum, and they're kind of going, we saw the disciples get into the boat, but Jesus, you didn't get in the boat. How did you get here? And Jesus doesn't go there. He just leaves it hanging there, all right, because he walked on the water, right? Um, but they come, and they say, hey, we want, we want more signs. We want more free bread. And, you know, th- the topic of bread, we're going to have communion at the conclusion of the service today, is woven through all, all of Scripture, right? Um, you go as far back as uh, the temple and even when they were in the wilderness. So th- this topic of bread is woven through the Old and the New Testament. Now, what we might not understand in our Western culture is that in the Eastern culture, which is what all the Bible is written in through that culture, through that lens, okay, through an Eastern culture, Bread was primary. In other words, when you sat down to eat, bread was the main thing. And then you would maybe add some meat to it or vegetables or something like that. But bread was the main dish. Now, in Western culture, bread is the side, 
It's secondary. You know, it's meat and potatoes. And yes, we'll maybe have some bread on the side, right? But in an Eastern culture, bread was the main thing. It was primary. And so when we look at this passage, you have to kind of have that mindset. You can't have the, our Western mindset because we think, well, yeah, you know, I, you know, I like bread, right? I like, especially when it comes out of the oven, right? But I could live without having bread because I have my meat and potatoes and my salad or whatever, right? When you look at it from an Eastern mindset, bread was everything. It was their source of life. It was all that they knew. All right? So we have to approach this. And then you, you, so then we get into the wilderness, and, uh, you know, they leave Egypt under the direction of Moses. They get into the wilderness, and you have probably a couple million people that are going to have to sustain themselves in the wilderness for 40 years, folks. Let's see, four, right there, 40, 40 years. How do you provide for a couple million people in a wilderness? Okay, a desert. Food and water. But God had a plan. So he fed them bread from heaven, right? We call it manna. For 40 years he provided it. It was there for them. And even quail. So they had bread and they had their meat. And then you have the tabernacles. And they they build a tabernacle in the wilderness. And then Solomon would then later build the temple, um, which would be more of a physical uh, structure uh, instead of a tent that the tabernacle was. But as part of that... And so, Chris, if you can put up those images, let's do the one of the the tabernacle, the temple first. You can see in this image here the table of showbread. And then you have the altar of incense that was in front of the veil, the curtain. You had the Ark of the Covenant in the back. So Indiana Jones was trying to find that, right? All right. The Ark of the Covenant. And then you have the golden lampstands. So the golden lampstands, those kept burning 24-7. They put the olive oil in there. The altar of incense, that uh, sweet fragrance uh, that represented the prayers of the saints. And then the table of showbread, and if you can give me that other picture, Chris, was actually the flatbread, okay? And um, there would be two stacks of six. Why 12 loaves? One for each tribe of Israel. And those were replaced on the Sabbath each week. They'd bring in fresh bread that was placed there. The table of his presence is what it was called, the table of showbread. And that was done throughout the life of the temple. That bread was placed there. Why? The bread of God's presence. Because it points to when Jesus was going to make a claim here that he is the bread of life. Amen? It's going to point to him. So before we dive in here, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is quick, it is powerful, it is your living word that applies to our everyday life. And we pray that you take it. And make it come alive to us. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Let's begin in verse 25 through 27. So I kind of gave you a little bit of the backdrop. They're in Capernaum. And these people are now beginning to question Jesus. And so when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Because they knew he didn't get in the boat, right? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because of the you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For him, God the Father, has placed his seal on him. The, the Father has placed his seal of approval. So the people track Jesus down 
for another free meal, right? And it must have been good bread if you're going to travel all that way, right? It must have been some good bread. I'm assuming God makes some good bread. And the miracles that they had witnessed, though, we talked about this last week, were a sign, right? Right? A sign tells you, hey, there's something up ahead, right? And the miracles that Jesus were performing were signs. And so John uses that word sign to show that they were to validate, they were to point ahead to the ministry of Jesus and that he was the Messiah. But here's the deal, the first point. Miracles are signs that some miss, some people miss. You ever miss a sign? I I just did here a couple weeks ago. Down in that road construction in Lincoln, I turned onto 14th Street after I was at South Point, and I get all the way to where the Shell gas station is, and it's blocked off. And I have to go back two, three miles. Anybody else do that? Come on, Craig, you did it too, Rebecca? All right. I mentioned it to my wife. She says, well, there's a couple signs there. (laughs) And I noticed when I went back, there was signs there that I just were... Just went right on by. And because of that, it cost me 10 minutes and fuel, right? So we can be hard on these people for missing the miracle and the sign quality of them, but we can do that as well, right? We sometimes have things that are obvious, that are pointing to God, and we just totally blow right by it and miss what God is trying to speak to us. The miracles of Jesus were a sign for them that He was the Messiah Okay, that God had set a seal of approval, that's John's words, upon Jesus. And Jesus is right there standing in front of them, and they're totally missing that He is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah. And we can think, man, how you know, hard-headed are they, right? But put yourself in their shoes. Do you think you maybe could have missed a sign? Maybe. You know, we know more now with the New Testament, and now that we're on the other side of the crucifixion and the resurrection, we understand it a little more. But still, people today see signs, right? That God is speaking to them, and they ignore those signs. Um, You know, Jesus did one of his greatest miracles, and all they could take away is that they wanted a free meal. And Jesus says, do not work for what is temporary, the food that is temporary. Don't work just for temporary food. Instead, work towards what is eternal. What is eternal? And I, I just think about in our world today, we pursue after things, right? But it's a lot like that crowd that day. We're pursuing after something that satisfies just for a moment in time, right? And we got Christmas coming, right? We got Thanksgiving, right? And we're going to thank God for all that He's done. And, bl- and then we have Friday, and it's just like we shift gears, right? It's Black Friday. In fact, it's already started, right? And Christmas is a great holiday. I think Thanksgiving is probably one of our best holidays that we celebrate in America. But then we have Christmas, a great message there. But in our culture, we've totally, it's been hijacked by consumerism, right? And there's some great things there. I'm not saying gift giving's all bad. But we can lose the message of Christ in there, can't we? And what it's all about. Those pursuits, there's nothing wrong with food, pleasure, money, popularity, all those different things. We talked about that in our study in Ecclesiastes. There's nothing wrong with those things, but if that is our focus, if that is our pursuit, it's going to leave us empty. We're still going to be, it's kind of like, man, that was a good meal, right? And we're going to sit down on Thursday, we're going to have some great pie, pie, you know, uh, you know, turkey or ham, right? 
And we're going to eat so much, we're going to probably eat another three days worth, right? But you know what? We're going to be hungry soon. Maybe that night, maybe the next day we're going to be hungry. It only satisfies for a time. And that's what the things of this world will do to us. It's going to leave us. They're not temporary. They are temporary. They're not permanent. And so Christ Jesus, he points us back to, he says, seek after things that are permanent. Seek after things that are eternal. So let's go on, verses 28 through 40. Then they asked him, what, 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 what good works must we do to do the works that God requires? All right? Jesus says, seek after things that are eternal. Work after those. So what are the good works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this. What is it? To believe in the one he has sent. It's not going out there doing penance. It's not going out there cleaning the garage. It's not going out there doing a bunch of busy work. It is to believe. So they asked him, what sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you. You understand what they're just asking? They've just, many of them have just witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. They're saying, hey, what other sign are you going to provide for us so that we can believe? Hmm. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat for 40 years. You know, Jesus just gave them bread that day. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who had given you bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. So they're saying, hey, give us this bread. Kind of like the woman at the well. You know, that's in chapter 3 of John 4. I think 4. Nicodemus is 3. Woman at the well, chapter 4. She says, hey, you know, she keeps coming to that water, that well for water day after day, right? And Jesus says, I can give you living water. She says, give me some of that water so that I never thirst. They asked that similar question. And I totally lost where I'm at. But as I told you, verse 36, <laughs> you have seen me and you still do not believe. All the, those things that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall not lose none of those that he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So they had seen the miracles, but they are still saying, hey, show us another sign so that we can believe. Show us another sign that we can believe. Miracles are a sign pointing us to God. You know, we're never told how many people actually were saved or believed when they experienced a miracle. When you look at all the miracles of Jesus, we don't know how many people actually believed. You know, the lepers, right? Ten lepers get cleansed. How many came back to actually thank Jesus? One, right? So in reality, how many actually witnessed the miracles of Jesus and never came away with the faith and actually believed? I think it was fairly high, folks. They saw the miracles in front of them. They saw Jesus in the flesh, and they still did not believe. Um, it's the 
the second principle is miraculous signs should move us to believe. But there are no guarantees in that. And the thing is, God did provide manna in the wilderness, right? For 40 years. But you know what? All those people that ate the manna, guess what? They all died. That's a great miracle. But they all died. And Jesus says, guess what? There's a bread from heaven that if you eat of it, you will, you'll never die. You'll never die. And that is the bread, he goes, that I'm offering you today. We all have a choice. And, you know, I think sometimes the people that have never seen a miracle and still believe, right? Miracles are great, folks. But sometimes those that have never witnessed a miracle still believe. The truth is in front of us. He's given us his word. And at some point, if we want to have the bread of heaven and have that gift of eternal life, we have to believe. We have to put our faith and trust in him. Amen? Let's go on to the third point. This is where it really gets interesting. All right? Verse 41. At this, the Jews were, began to grumble. Everybody grumble for me. That's pretty good. All right. They said, he says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whom the father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? He's one of us. He didn't come down from heaven. We actually saw him being born. He didn't come down from heaven. He's nothing special. He is one of us. Isn't that the way it is when you're from the hometown, right? Stop grumbling about yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up in the last day. It is not written in the prophets. Is it not written? They all all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Now, this is where Jesus puts the, connects the dots. Jesus says in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Now he's just kind of like, they're not catching it, okay? So he's just going to say, okay, this is the way it is, guys. I am the bread of life. I am the one that has come down from heaven, right? Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they die. But there is a bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is fresh. Is my flesh. Ooh. This is now it gets interesting. Which I'll give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give his flesh to us to eat? And Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. Hang with me here. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so that no... The one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, 
but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while he was teaching in the synagogue of the Capernaum. So he's teaching to an educated group of people, religious people. On hearing this, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching, right? Who can accept it? Aware of this, his disciples were grumbling about this. So now it's his disciples that are grumbling, right? And Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet they are, there are some of you that will not believe. And G, for Jesus had known from the beginning one of them did not believe. And who would betray him? He sent, he went on his way. This is why I told you that one can come to me, no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time on, many of his disciples turned away. You know, sometimes we think that Jesus could draw a crowd, but he also could send them home too, right? He wasn't going to beat around the bush. And so many left. And Jesus then says to his disciples, do you want to leave too? Verse 67, he asked of the twelve. And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And you've, we've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus replied, have I not chosen you the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. You'll betray me. So that was Judas, right? So Jesus is using some what we call metaphoric language, very figurative language here, all right? And he takes it a step further to not only say that, hey, I'm the bread of life, but he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. So it is from that very, taking a literal interpretation of that, is if you come from a Catholic tradition, okay, and you partake of communion, they believe that when you put it in your mouth, it becomes the the body and blood of Christ, right? So we don't, we don't hold to that, okay? If, if that's what you believe, I'm not going to, you know, that's fine. We've, we see them as emblems of his body and his flesh. So why does Jesus go so figuratively? It's metaphoric language. And when it's unpacked, it means that Jesus is the true source of satisfaction. If we believe in him, the one who gave us life, he will satisfy our hunger and our thirst for God. And so the people that lived in the wilderness, they ate the bread, they ate the manna, but they still died. Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will never die. And so the last principle is there to choose daily to be sustained by the bread of life, by Jesus. By Jesus, right? The disciples had a choice to make. Would they turn away or would they place their faith in Jesus? They all stayed true to Jesus except for one. Judas would betray, would be, you know, betray Jesus, right? And he would suffer a pretty horrible death. He would hang himself, um, take his own life, and die a horrible death. And not only that, he would miss out on the hope of heaven. The other disciples would die as martyrs, but they would, uh, except for John, but they would die with the hope of heaven and they would have eternal life. Embrace Christ daily. Choose daily to be sustained by the bread of life. What does that mean? How do you 
choose Christ. I believe it means believing in God each and every day, having fellowship with Him in prayer, spending time in God's Word, right? Feasting on His Word. It means putting our faith and trust in Him, even sometimes when things don't make sense for us, okay? Whether it is the difficulty, like last week we talked about the miracles. If you want a miracle, many times you have, you have to be in that place of need, and that's not a good place, folks. When we're there, it opens up the door for a miracle, but it's kind of miserable while you're there. Right, John? It's kind of miserable. But we see the healing power of God. We see the miracle of God take place. We have to choose daily to be sustained by the bread of life. So this morning we're going to conclude with communion. We got the bread and the grape juice here. And on the night that Jesus would be betrayed, they were, he was celebrating Passover with his disciples, right? Um, it would be a Thursday night. And uh, so I'm going to read Luke's account in Luke chapter 22. And Chris, I believe, has that on the screen as well. Uh, verses 14 through 22. It says, When the hour came, Jesus sat down with his disciples, reclining at a table, so they didn't sit at... They sat at a table, but it was low on the ground. They sat on the ground. And uh, so they're just there having a meal. And he says, I've eagerly desired to eat Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And so at the table there, they had a cup um, with wine. He gave thanks. He said, take this, divide it amongst you. For I tell you, you will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, right? And he says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so, Jesus would do this teaching in John that we see that he is the bread of life. But then in part of the communion, again, we get that illustration of the bread and the grape juice symbolizing his body, his life that would be poured out for us. And as we partake this morning, it is to remember what Christ has done for us. So I'm going to have uh, the musicians come, if you would come. Um, and as they took bread that evening, the main meal was, what was the Passover menu? Two main things. Unleavened bread and lamb. Right, yep. A perfect lamb. A perfect lamb. They would be killed and they would eat it all that night with bitter herbs and spices, it'd be the lamb and the bread. Um, and we know that the following day, that evening, they'd go to the Garden of Gethsemane, he'd be betrayed, he'd be tried through the night. Um, there'd be false witnesses there that would say, make false claims. He'd be convicted for things he didn't do. And on Friday, what we call Good Friday, he would be crucified on a Roman cross. Why? Isaiah tells us in 53, 3-6, He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man familiar with suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom we hide our faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. But see, he surely he took up our pain and our suffering and 
Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken, cursed, and afflicted. But here's the deal. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sin, our wrongdoing. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all are like sheep that have gone our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. So in his flesh, he took our punishment. He took our sin. Jesus is the bread of life. If we believe in him, embrace what he did for us on the cross of Calvary, Scripture is very clear that we have the gift of eternal life. Amen? We have the gift of eternal life. So I'm going to, if you'd bow your heads, and I'm just going to lead us in a prayer of salvation this morning. I hope that everybody's made that decision for Christ, but if you haven't, or if there's somebody watching online, um, we want to give that opportunity. It just simply means that we just put our faith in Christ, we ask Him to forgive us of our sins, and we make that commitment to live each day for Him. It's more than just the decision initially. We have to choose that we're going to live our life for Him. Embrace and take up our cross daily. And so let's pray together. Um, asking Christ in our life, saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Be my Lord and my Savior. And help me to walk with you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have those that are going to help out with communion if you would make your way forward. You know, in the coming days, <clears throat> the teachings of Jesus would make more sense to them. Grab those. In the coming days, it would make a little more sense. But even after a few days, a few disciples would be walking down the road, Luke says, and they still weren't able to make sense. Even after the resurrection, they still weren't able to make sense of all that Jesus did on the cross. But then Jesus would appear to them over a few times, over the weeks. And then it would make sense of what he said, that he was the bread that had come down from heaven. Then it would make sense to them, as it makes sense to us. He is the bread of life. All who believe in him and have faith in him We'll have the hope of heaven. Amen? Amen. As we gather around our table for Thanksgiving, it's going to be a lot of food. But bread probably will not be the main focus. It'll be the turkey. It'll be the ham. I, I don't know. Maybe do prime rib. I don't know. But that'll be the focus, right? But in, in God's culture, the bread is the center thing because he is the source of life. Amen. Father, this morning, we just thank you for this time of being together. Be present here with us, Lord God, just as you reclined that evening with your disciples. 
for that first time, he said, hey, this is my bread. Tear off a piece. This is going to symbolize my body that will be crushed. It's going to be broken. It's going to take upon itself the sins of the world. And take a drink because this symbolizes my life that's going to be poured out for you. And Lord God, as a believer in Christ, keep that ever before us each and every day, every moment, through trials, through temptation, through tests, Lord God, through victories, through the valleys, Lord God, let us never forget that you are that source, that source of life, that anyone who eats of this bread and drinks of this cup and believes in him will not be forsaken by the Father and will partake of the goodness of God in heaven with him. Amen. And Lord, we give you the thanks we ask in your name.